just stand up or just sit down and do this? Or? You can just sit down and do it. be disruptive. I'm going to move down there as well because I do have to leave it on there. Oh, yeah. The microphone would be a better. There we go. Great. So my name is Gary Serenverda. Um, my real name is Kari Sarenverta. I'm Finnish, so I was born in Finland. I'm a proud Finn. I've finished tattoo on my chest and a, the coat of arms on my back, but I'm also a proud Canadian. I've grown up here. I've been here since I was five years old. And, um, um, you know, I went to, uh, I lived in, I grew up in Scarborough. Um, you know, went to Lamoureux High School and uh, I went to University of Toronto. I did a degree in uh, aerospace engineering, bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering at engineering science, uh, which is a kind of elite engineering program, probably the number one in the world for undergraduate students. Um, I was very fortunate, had no idea, my parents didn't know really any. My dad was a mechanic, my mother's a hairdresser and ran their own businesses, so they didn't really help me. I just knew that I liked airplanes and rockets, and I thought this was a program, that the only program in Canada that had that, so I went there and... Uh, and I was told on the first day that uh, look left, look right, only one of you will be here in, th in six months. And so I said, well, that's going to be me. And uh, so I managed to get through this program. And uh, after that, uh, I worked at the University of Toronto Institute for Aerospace Studies. I ran a, a National Research Council project for a private company doing uh, ozone research. They were removing... Um, hydrocarbons out of airstreams. So if you think of like gasoline fumes or vapor, when you have that in low concentration, it's very inefficient to, to incinerate or carbon filtration. So we, this company patented a reaction mimicking the atmosphere, the ozone layer. So we had an ozone generator was generating ozone and had massively intensive ultraviolet light. So sunlight coming onto the ozone layer creates a chemical reaction that cleans hydrocarbons and decomposes them to carbon dioxide and water. So we built them, I built a, I, I had a $5 million budget and I was like 21 or 22 years old and uh, I had the license to go spend that money, built a research facility and ran it for two years and did all the experiments to commercialize this technology by a company called SolarChem. And, um, and uh, so it was, it was an awesome project as an engineer and building wind tunnels and doing chemistry experiments and aerospace experiments, which I loved. And at the time, I was always planning to get a PhD, so I went and did my master's degree at the University of Toronto and, again, in aerospace engineering and computational fluid dynamics. So that's using computers to solve for the airflow around aircraft and through engines and over space planes. And so I was using math and science and computer programming to solve real-world engineering problems. And so I finished my master's degree. I didn't quite finish it. I left because uh, my, you know, my wife got pregnant and uh, I decided I need to get a job to feed the family. So, uh, and I didn't want to get a PhD after that because academia was like grindingly slow and the pace was way too, way too, too uh, slow for me. And uh, I went and did a startup with my friends uh, in software development and knew nothing about IT when I started and learned about how to build a network the first day and got into technology. And my goal was to use math and science to, to solve real-world problems. Got exposed to companies. I was shocked at how, uh, how, li how, how little intelligence there is driving the decision-making behind businesses. So I always thought that you know banks and insurance companies and retailers must really have their shit together. And uh, they absolutely do not. They're basically random decision-making organizations. I, I think you know, I learned that uh, you, could, you could probably fire the entire headquarters staff at any large corporation and replace them, and it would have no impact on the business at all. 
you know, it all happens in the operations, you know, the, the bank branches, the people who work in the banks or the people who work in the field, that's where it all, it all happens. And I realized that I had this great skills, math and science skills that I learned to solve engineering problems. Canada had no aerospace industry. I didn't feel like making nuclear weapons and missiles and things like that. I could have gone to the States and uh, done that. And engineering world's very hierarchical. It's like the military. You have, you know, to, to, you know, I had friends who got PhDs and uh, one of them brought me to Bombardier and said, you see this little gas flap on the underneath of the wing? See that little thumb recess? I designed that. I contributed 0.0007% to the overall drag of the aircraft. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to go to school for 12 years to do that. And so I thought, take all the skills, go to business, saw this huge opportunity to help businesses operate smarter. And I always had a bent to, I wanted to change the world. And so I thought, um, I've spent a career now. Uh, I worked first after, so after I got my master's degree, I went to, I worked for my buddy's software development uh, company doing object-oriented software development. And then I went to work at Air Miles. Uh, the, uh, the you know company that runs a loyalty uh, mm -hmm. program, and I, I, I built a consulting practice for them. So I built their database, the, one of the first their internal data warehouse to collect all the data from retailers and all the shoppers. And I realized I can do statistical analysis of that data and predict the future and help them make smarter decisions. And I did that for five years along the way. I was one of the first worldwide users of some IBM really high-end data mining technology which is the same stuff people talk about today, neural nets and all this kind of stuff. I was using those back in the mid-90s, one of the first four people to do that. And, uh, and, uh, I, and then I spent the, several years traveling all over the world uh, with uh, IBM, uh, solving business problems in Asia, finance crisis, and training about hundreds of IBM data mining consultants around the world. Um, and uh, getting clients along the way for loyalty groups. So I was doing this really weird high-end consulting, not doing a lot of work actually for the Air Miles program, but doing work around the world for IBM clients. We were one of the first worldwide users of this technology. And uh, then I worked for IBM. I ran IBM Canada's data mining practice for a while, and so I was responsible. So after being wined and dined as an outsider from IBM, the shock of joining IBM was was palpable and I was going to exciting places like Montreal and uh, Edmonton and like every day flying all over the place. You know, I had about 150 employees underneath me in about a $25 million business and doing kind of high-end analytics and, and data warehousing. And, uh, you know, I naively thought when I joined IBM that I could change the company. That was a foolish, naive notion. Uh, <laughs> And I realized that I wouldn't uh, get wealthy at IBM. My primary goal wasn't uh, money for myself, but I figured the more resources you have, the more you can change the world. But I learned along the way that uh, using information to make smarter decisions is every single project I've ever done in my life, we, we can move the needle on company profitability. And, and I thought that we can improve the profitability of all profit for profit, not for profit, for government by an order of magnitude. So, so if a company's making 5% profit, I think they should be able to make 50% profit if they leverage math and science to help them run their businesses. And that's what I've been working on. I did that at IBM. And I thought that they were kind of a generalist, not good at anything, but they did everything. And I thought, uh, um, I, I left IBM to work for a, a, one of my clients, started a small uh, tech company. I was there for about eight months. And I thought, okay, well, it's not working out there. And I started my own business um, in 2003. And I thought I could do it better than IBM. And my goal was to, you know, again, use math and science to help companies be much more profitable. And I thought, I believe that uh, if companies are much more profitable, it'll spin off benefits for, for, for humanity. And that's kind of the second half of my talk. I'll talk about artificial intelligence and the hype about that and what it really means. But I've spent my whole life really working on AI. 
I realized along the way in doing math and science and analytics that um, having a human being in front of a laptop with a statistical analysis package is a lost cause. It's a total waste of time because if you have a business like retail and you have 100,000 products and 400 stores and 8 million customers, you cannot hire 100,000 PhDs in machine learning and they would not know what was going on. The only way to do that is with a machine and that's what I've been working on for the last about 15 years is to really automate the entire analysis process without human intervention to help companies make smarter decisions. If you don't act on the output of analysis, it's completely pointless to do that, complete waste of time. Just uh, spending hundreds of millions of dollars on just to know but then do nothing about it, which is what most companies do today. You know, the average bank will spend, you know, they spent $100 million a year on database analysis and they really minimally use that information. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what my, you know, my mission is to change the world, make it better. I think I'm a big believer in, uh, in wealth redistribution. I, I, I believe that life for all people on this planet should, everyone should have an equal opportunity. I'm a big believer in equal opportunity. I don't want mandated equality because that's communism and fascism and we know what happened with that. So I think uh, equal opportunity for everybody, support those who can't support themselves. But I'm also a believer in profit generating resources because it's the only way you can influence change. So I'm a bit of a dichotomy and I believe in some, you know, you know, you know, social democracy ideas, but I also believe in, you know, like a, you know, like real fiscal conservatism and not wasting money and balancing the books, you know, that's so, you know, that's who I am uh, as a, as a, what I do for fun. I'm an avid tennis player. Uh, um, I've been an athlete all my life. I'm out of shape. I get out of shape and in shape. I've lost uh, 100 pounds and gained 100 pounds four times in my life. So I'm on the I'm on the way down right now. But uh, I've been ranked globally in tennis and uh, I was in men's senior tennis. So I was like number 600 in men's over 40 a few years ago, and I was number 300 in Canada on the you know Milos Raonic number one. I was like 345. So <laughs> my goal is to get to within the top 150 before I die. So and I'm a and I'm a, and I'm a musician. I, I took piano lessons as a kid for 10 years and. Uh, I play the guitar. I'm a metalhead. I'm a. I listen to really hardcore metal music and play guitar and, and uh, piano at home uh, when I have time. But uh, yeah, I spend all my time in, in my business, Daisy, trying to grow this company. And can you talk a bit more about Daisy? Yeah. So we uh, so we um, have built an artificial intelligence platform, something that takes customer data. So we for we work in retail as our, one of our prime industries. So we collect point of sale receipts. So basically every receipt, there's a, a, you know, a printout of every product you bought. So we have that, all those records in a database. So one line per purchase of every single transaction that for retail companies. So Walmart Canada is one of our clients. So we have seven years of every transaction in every store. So I know what every, every, everything that was bought together. And so we take that data and through our AI machine, we translate that into decisions. Because again, we don't present a report or a graph or a tool that the clients can play with because they don't. Clients don't do that. We say, you know, there's three retail decisions that retailers make every week. That is, what should I promote? What products should I promote this week? What prices should I charge for those products? And how much inventory should I allocate to my stores? Because those are the fundamental things that affect profitability in retail. Mm -hmm. Grocery is a 1% to 3% net margin business. So Walmart's a $500 billion company. At the end of the day, they, they make $15 billion on $500 billion in revenue. So highly unprofitable business and very difficult. And uh, using AI, Walmart's goal is to dramatically double or triple that. We've re recently responded to some RFPs about, uh, about uh, using AI to help them. 
Um, so that's what DAISY does. We, we take this data. We're a monthly service. We host data for our clients, and we then you know, deliver weekly decisions on these areas and, and a few Literally other areas. Yeah, we tell them, here's the, put this on the front page, put this on the back page, here's the prices you charge. And when they execute that, we measure the financial lift. So Walmart Canada, we showed them that they could grow their revenue by 5% a year. Just by picking five products on the front page of the flyer was worth a billion dollars a year then. We work with you know, 15 companies, like North Carolina Grocer, their sales were down $500,000 a week. They hired us. We've reduced that to only $300,000 a week loss, so we're like turning the business around um, using the AI you know, you know, to do that. And I believe it starts with corporations, and once you prove the use case to corporations, then you go to government and you bring the same technology to help government be more efficient with their money because I think there's all tons of money wasted there. And helping Walmart uh, get profitable is good for people too because Walmart's going to lower the price of all goods by 15% in the next two or three years. And they're already doing that. So that means good for us. We get cheaper cost of goods for, for our lives. Um, also, we'll improve the jobs of the people internally who work at Walmart. Who It's a horrible job being a retail merchant every week, week after week, without fail. You have to pick 10 products or 20 products to put on the flyer. You do it week after week, year after year, mind-numbing drudgery, and uh, people could do much more interesting things. So I think, I think the technology will free up a lot of human drudgery and do a much better job than people. Like it's, a, it's no contest. It has never, has never been a contest between computers. Computers outperform people and have been doing it for 50 years. You know. So we're getting to the next talk. How, how can, what, what, does, what do you and what does Daisy need? Per, I need this to group and Lexus. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, in general, I need to raise fifty million dollars or twenty million dollars in capital to grow massively to be successful. The time for me, a Daisy, to succeed at a, that wild level is right now, because if I don't do it, uh, we have we're the only people in the world doing what we do in retail, um, and um, if we don't succeed, somebody else will, IBM or somebody will step in and fuck it all up and not deliver on the real promise. Uh, so for for me, the time is now. And uh, the more money we raise, and we can go get market share all around the world. And then that starts me on the path from moving from retail. We're also doing work in healthcare. We're helping a little brain company, uh, Brain Effects. They have a tablet app that measures yeah, yeah, yeah. people's uh, head injuries and or diseases. And it's a 60-question tablet app that measures your memory, your uh, hearing, your math skills, uh, uh, um, all, your, like your balance. And, uh, and then it's our math behind the scenes that assesses that and turns that into an assessment for the person. So it's used by a clinician. And our AI math translate that into a clinical outcome that then the clinician can recommend treatment. We were just published uh, at the Women's Cardiac Conference in Chicago. A paper was published by a, a leading U.S. cardiologist who took up uh, 25 women, half who had a heart attack, half who didn't. And through the uh, output of this brain effects tool, which they didn't even really know they were analyzing the output of our math, our AI engine, we could find differences between heart attack patients and not heart attack patients that were like, you know, effect on their brain uh, function, which is really, which is enough, you know, that's way more altruistic use of than making, you know, corporations yeah. wealthy, but you have to prove a case and be successful and be a billion dollar company before people believe you can change the world and you can do more useful, interesting things afterwards. So that's... That's kind of where Daisy's at, and yeah, so. So assume you could use customers if people are here. Absolutely, we sell to the senior executives at corporations. So you know, we're focused on retail and insurance. We're doing fraud detection and insurance. 
Uh, it's a shocking to know that there's terrorist rings and organized crime who are stealing money from our insurance companies and banks, and everyone on this table pays for it. Insurance has gone up by you know a few hundred percent in the last 10, 20 years, and it's all driven by fraud. And it's like terrorists, Osama bin Laden, they steal money from Canadian banks and insurance companies. If you file a phony claim to your dentist, you have a 99.9% .9 chance that the insurance company will pay it. They don't even give a shit. They just hand the money out. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, bank fraud. I mean, credit card fraud, loan application, any any adjudic anywhere there's an adjudication decision um, that your uh, where your, your money changes hands, you're applying for money. Um, so all of those kind of applications risk. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we do. We've done customer analytics and product. The same kind of retail product analysis can be done in can be done in banking as well. Cybersecurity. The same math that makes medical decisions is the same math that finds fraud. It's the same math that does cybersecurity. There's, we've built the fundamental, both fundamental underlying mathematics that can be applied to many different. employees doing? We're at 30 employees now. In revenue, can you tell us that? Yeah, we're at about 1.7 million this year. You know, and uh, I've been inside. We've run about 35 million through the business in the last 13 years, and we just raised capital for the first time a year, a year and a bit ago. You know, I sold about a thirty percent, a third of the company, so I'm, you know, still majority shareholder. But, um, and we rather raise through debt than equity. I don't really care about equity. I'm not, you know, I just want, don't want to lose control of the, of yeah. the venture. So, I'm but if not, somebody came in and said one forty percent of this, you'd, you'd, I'd be you'd, fine you'd, if they were the right partner and yeah. okay. the right person to to take it up. I mean, so you know, AI companies are getting ridiculous valuations. So. Um, you know, if you financially value us, maybe we're worth 20, 30 million. But if you take the AI valuations, like Element AI, a university professor, Joshua Bengio, and half the faculty of Quebec with no business, no product, no nothing, they were valued at 195 million and raised $75 million. Uh, and uh, Integrate AI, a uh, guy from Facebook, kind of a middle executive out of Facebook, comes to Toronto. He has no business, no website, no employees, and Georgian Capital gave him a $5 million check. Well, you're like, because like you're asking 20 million, you're in like a Series A round, right? At that point, and you're gonna, like, they're gonna be looking for 30 percent. Well, I don't care about the percentage, but if people don't value like I mean, the players in Canada. There's not, you know, there's you gotta get some really uh, a VC that believes in the future and, and yeah. uh, who values AI and will value it on a different, who believes in the long-term proposition, right? So, so, uh, and you've got Sky, you need to. Okay, so we're gonna do this before you go for both you and John. So. Um, you can ask discussion or ask questions of Gary about his personal life, his tennis, on the hub. But now we're going to do our intersectionality thing, and um, and, be, and and to me, and the one thing, and this, this isn't about does Gary's line of work mesh with yours. It's about who do you know, which is a very different thing. You might have a uh, brother-in-law, an aunt or an uncle, a friend who can help Gary. And so, or Gary could help them. I just to talk about the help thing. I mean, I speak, right. I, I speak, I lecture at Uni University of Toronto at times. I, you know, I give talks, uh, you know, I yep. give consulting advice. I've, people ask me, I'm a nice guy, I, you know, spend a couple hours <laughs> helping them out. Are you challenged by senior merchants in retail organizations? Oh yeah, totally. Speaking, I mean, uh, even wanting to have a can, meeting with can, you? Can we do that because two people need to leave and I want okay. them to participate in the intersectionality thing. 
So I'm going to start. Can I start with you, John? Sure. Um, I got your email, by the way. I apologize. I've been like crazy busy, but I, I will follow up with Ken. And, and you know what? Can we share as much of this in the hub so that each of us can see what the others are thinking about? Yeah, just throw it out there. Yeah. Anyway. Um, in terms of who do I know for capital, I, I only know one person from Searchlight Capital. He happens to, um, used to be the guy that ran the Toronto Teachers uh, Pension Plan. So he's a big deal. They just bought Roots and Hunter Boots and things. Um, they certainly have capital. I have no idea whether this is of interest or, or anything to them. But they also happen to have retail operations in their, uh, yeah. in their set. So he would be a good either investor and or be able to throw work at you, and he would end up benefiting. So I'd be happy to make an introduction. Sure, that's probably be. the most tangible thing that I could do. Be Apart clear. from, so um, Tim O'Rourke, who works for me, um, he's reached out to Gary to have a conversation around, are there some opportunities for us in our work? Because some of those customers are our same customers right. or, or the clients. Yeah, and I'll come speak whenever it works out. You know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I have an idea, but I'm going to get, I'll get in contact with you on that. Sure. I, okay. I, I, I love what you're doing, and I think that that was fantastic. I think it would be helpful to understand a little bit more. Sure. Like. Sure, yeah, have a and look. And you can there. listen to this for the part you're going to miss now. And you can call me and we can chat, you know. Go for a coffee or whatever. I'm good to do that. Um, who wants to go next? Everybody has to go. Right. You can say I don't know anybody, but. Yeah, that's where I'm concerned. I can't think of anyone. I, I don't do you have know smart young people, people with PhDs who want to change the world. There you go. Well, but I do know the, um, the president and CEO of Canadian Venture Capital and Private Equity Association. He came and spoke at. Your class or any, I've been keeping in contact. Michael Lott is his name, and I'm, I'm sure at the very least he could point you in the right direction for a VC. That, because um, he knows all he knows all the VCs in Canada, right? Because in terms of the association, so I know that. Um, yeah, I don't know too many contacts, but I love the idea. I'm obviously going to be thinking about it. Yeah. I don't know anyone, but I know. You have a media outlet, right? So you can, like, yeah, yeah. You can well, help I want to get you on voice. At yeah, so I'd love to, love yeah, to, uh, yeah, yeah. Do that's that. promotion is good. I'd love to, you know, one of my mandates is for Daisy is to be the promoter of what our vision is and, and well, uh, any well, opportunity well, well, to promote the vision is. What, what can you, how can you do, how can you help him figure out a way to do this in education? Well, I have a meeting at the ministry tomorrow, actually, and, and um, AI, as we've traveled across Canada, Canada over the past uh, four weeks, in every conversation about the future of learning, AI is the number one thing we need to be on the lookout for. But nobody knows what they're talking. But about. But I would love to talk. I would love to talk to high school students at grade nine or grade eight or grade okay. seven to say the future of math and science careers. Perfect. It's exciting and interesting. It's not drudgery. And, and then you know. So then we get to morph into the next yeah. discussion, Brian. Well. Because of my age, a lot of my clients uh, would have been, you know, I mean, I would know most of the senior merchants at most of the groceries in, in, in Loblaws and Sobeys and Metro. Yeah. And, uh, Sobeys need some help. They're hurting, you know. Yeah, yeah, love okay. some introductions. Yeah. I mean, 
problem is many of them have been fired or laid off. But uh, but uh, Tim Hortons, there's a guy who's who ran the American operation, who's now um, uh, on his own and always interested in ideas. But he might be a good guy to have a chat with in terms of what he sees the opportunity there. But Tim's because he's a very innovative guy. Another senior merchant uh, at Loblaws is now no longer there on his own, um, looking around for something to get involved in. But he he ran the products business and ran no frills business. And he has a merchandising background. So cool. Networking is good. Uh, I'd be happy to ask them if they would have an interest in. Do you have something, or can I just send them your website, or is there something? Yeah, it's a website. Website. Very good. Okay. Yeah, do that. I'll do that. Because um, they're looking for opportunity, business opportunities. Sure, we can get you to come speak at York as well. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, happy to speak. We're right at our office is right across the street from York. We're right at Keel and Steel, so oh, wow. the, the right on the corner of the TD Bank building there. So. Oh, yeah. the point, you know, and it's interesting. The, the point in in doing this is we're trying to create a group of people here who are going to ride with each other for years, and. And a little bit of this is about taking ownership of what Gary's just told you and about his business. You know, you, a little part of your brain gets up in the morning and thinks a little bit about Daisy Intelligence or when you're at a cocktail party. We're each ambassadors for each other. So that's, you know, that's, that's that first bit. So, you know, it's why to get to know each other a little bit. You, you had an idea for... Um, yeah, like, I worked in... I, I was a co-founder of a startup for about a year and a half, and so we were talking to a bunch of VCs, and there's, you know, like around 13 or version one ventures on the West Coast or real ventures. Yeah, we've talked to a but, lot of them. But they, a lot of them, are, they're not going to drop that kind of money unless you get them all on board. They all get the yeah. same term sheet. The only person I could think of, like one of my best friends, his dad is like, he works, he's like the managing partner at ONCAP, if you know ONCAP, like a subsidiary of Omer's. So like he'd probably be someone I'd reach out to. I would need like, I would need like a pitch deck and like an actual thing. But it's I'd probably good one. Could, yeah. So that'd be the closest thing I could think of. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, one, um, I, and I am moving this along. One other. Um, I spoke uh, to Michael Kane, by the way. So thank did you. Did you? Mm -hmm. Good. We'll talk. Um, the other, the other. So this is a good example. There's already actually been quite a few intersectionalities between people, and nobody knows that. What's become clear from the discussions over the last two weeks about how to define a project is there are things that I think we're going to call impacts. And those are the, just the somebody helping you, you helping somebody else, and yet it's, it's kind of a thing, like it's, it had a consequence. And we want to be able to build a database and start tracking that. Because globally that starts to have some impact. You start to see how we can impact and help each other. And so I just wanted to throw out that the thinking had been that, you know, there's projects, but there will also probably be something called impacts or actions. And those are just the, it's something that doesn't meet the level of being a project, doesn't, doesn't warrant all the documentation. And yet, on the other hand, somebody made an introduction that really helped Gary. That's actually worth everybody knowing about, yep. because that's what builds community you know, when people say, well, what's in it for me? I mean, which is, you know, nobody here likes to admit it, but that's a really big consideration. 
It's tit um, for tat, right? I mean, so yeah. this is how it works. You help me, then, you know, you have a kid who needs a summer job and wants to learn about technology. I have a business. I hire summer well, students. Well, we, uh, you know, very, very it's good, simple. Very, There's all kinds I of simple. I want to improve my tennis game. Uh, uh, yeah, let's <laughs> play some tennis. <laughs> very, I'll teach you how to serve, right? A very good example is, you know, some of you know my daughter Genevieve, who's just graduating from Boise now. And she's decided that she wants to work with uh, um, children, school board systems that are rebuilding in conflict zones. And so she advises, you know, her mother and I two weeks ago that she wants to go and work on the border between Syria and Lebanon, and she's going to fly there in the next week or two. And I said, well, that doesn't sound like a very good idea to me. Um, so Kofi Hagen, who I've never met, He's our Lex guy in Kigali, Rwanda. You know, I, I emailed Kofi and I said, can you, and who ran World Vision in Uganda and Rwanda for 30 years. So I emailed him two weeks ago and I said, have you got something for Genevieve? Looks like Genevieve's heading off to Rwanda. I mean, that is, if yeah. you want to know what, uh, you know, a benefit of, of being a member of Lex, there's a good example. You know, and we've got fascinating people. It's really too bad because I'm being at the center. I'm the only one seeing it right now, but there are really remarkable people that have joined, and um, and it's about starting this. So it's a slow process. Anyway, thanks, Gary. Um, thanks, Gary. Um, so carry on that discussion. Now you get to uh, tell us about uh, the hype of AI. Yeah. So yeah, I'll talk about AI. So there's like super amounts of hype about it. So. I think artificial intelligence, for the most part, everyone they say that, they mean statistical analysis, which is, if you imagine, you know, a graph, an XY graph with a bunch of data points on it, and you draw the best line through the data points. That's statistical analysis. And, and, uh, the, and, and using neural networks is statistical analysis. If all you use is historical data that you've collected in the past, that's statistical analysis. You're just curve-fitting. Neural net has nothing to do with the human brain. It's an idea inspired by the brain, but it's not how the brain works. But, you know, academics like to make analogies, and, and media people turn that into the gospel truth. So, you know, you, we don't understand how the human brain, brain works. Deep learning is the same. Jeffrey Hinton is giving the same lectures today that he gave in 1993 when I went and saw him talk at the University of Toronto. So nothing has really changed there. It's just this media hype. And statistical analysis is powerful, and, but it, it can only learn at the pace of time. You can only learn as fast as you collect data. So if you want to do something you've never done before, statistical analysis won't help you. You have to do an experiment and see what happens and then measure it and do statistical analysis. Right? So you can't drive a car with statistical analysis. You can't show a car, uh, 100 pictures of a car in a ditch and 100 pictures of a car on the road and then it will drive itself. Right? So artificial intelligence is an engineering systems problem. The computer scientists are dominating the world because it's really easy to go on the internet and take a million images and say this is a cup, this is not a cup, and then it'll figure out what's a cup and what's not a cup. You can show a human being, a baby, three cups and they'll know how to do it. A neural net requires like 10 million images of a cup to figure out what's the difference between a cup and not a cup. And a baby will know the difference between a mug and a glass very quickly. You know, so it's a, and that, and because you can get data on the internet, the computer scientists, you know, they're calling that AI, and they're calling predictive analytics AI. But AI is about a, about being able to simulate the world. So if you think of chess computers and this AlphaGo computer, what it what 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 differentiated them is that AlphaGo has a set of rules that govern how you play. 
it's like the rules of the world, the and, rules of the universe. And Go is a game, a kind of like Chinese checkers meets chess, where it's yeah. a bunch of infinite possibilities and moves. Just yeah, just anybody doesn't. Yeah, Scott, and it's an impossible to play every outcome of the game because it's like ten to the power of two hundred possible board configurations. So you can't. That, that would take millions of years of computing to play every possible game. But the fact that there's rules of the game now, I can have two computers play themselves and learn and find patterns. Play more games than a human being can in their lifetime and therefore learn things that a human being can because a human being will only learn at the pace of time but if I can simulate the world and learn faster than a human then I can learn things better than humans can. Do they learn through, like we do through storing in memory and then accessing memory yeah. later? Yeah, you store, you store, you have a short-term and long-term memory, and you store what you've learned, and you do random. Learning is random. Like when you were a child and you learned, you said you took the star-shaped block and you tried to pound it into the round hole and it didn't go, and you hit yourself in the head, you go, that wasn't good, I'm not going to do that again. And, and then eventually you got in the star-shaped hole and you, you got all the things there, right? And when you for, took your first uh, walk down a step, you know, you didn't go jump off a cliff, you, you went to the second step, right? To, you know, these are the thing, way humans learn by gradual and random learning. And you, the computer can do that with, when you have, but you have to have the ability to simulate the world. If you've never walked down a step, you have to have some model of the world that says this is how walking occurs. So you have to have a theory. So self-driving cars have Newton's laws of motion, which says that when I apply a force to the left, the car goes to the left. When I hit the gas pedal and apply a force forward, the car goes forward. So you're, you can simulate what's going to happen when I use the controls of the vehicle. And you can find the optimal control strategy to keep the car on the road. And it's a systems engineering problem. And you can now simulate and teach a car to drive in the computer before it even hits the real road. So once it hits the road, it already knows how to drive because you've simulated the world. In the same way, we simulate retail. We have a theory of retail that says uh, if you promote this combination of products, this is what's going to happen, even though the customer's never done that before. So we have the, the memory of everything they've done. That's our memory bank. We've learned all the patterns in there. We now, because we have a theory of how the world works, like the laws of physics, I can say, even though you've never done this, I, I know what's going to happen. And I can try all kinds of new things and have a mix of statistical analysis and randomness and learn new things that retailers have never seen before. So Walmart Canada, we, we had them promote uh, a flatbread product that they never promoted before. And we said it's going to do just as well as whole wheat bread on the front page in your flyer. And then, and lo and behold, it did. And they would never have done that otherwise. And that now, you know, it makes their promotions more effective because they don't have to repeat the same things over and over again. And, and AI also is not about a one moment in time thing. It says, what's the optimal strategy over a long period of time? Like a game of chess, you can sacrifice the pawn now to win the game five moves later. So with predictive analytics or statistical analysis, there's no, there's no notion of a sequence of events. It's just like here and now. Do the best thing now. But uh, like, again, another Walmart example, uh, Easter bunnies at Easter. Two weeks before Easter, chocolate Easter bunnies are the best product to promote. But if you promote it one week before Easter, it's better over a six-week period. So you sacrifice the best product two weeks before Easter to promote chocolates one week before Easter, and you'll make more money over a six-week period if you did that. And that's what AI can do and predictive analytics can. So AI is like, so we, the way we do it is we're building autonomous corporations, so an autonomous decision-making machine that makes the operational decisions that businesses require to make. And it's like autonomous cars. 
and like a chess playing game, we've created the rules of the word for retail, we've created the rules of the word for outlier detection, which is medical decisions and adjudication decisions and fraud decisions. And uh, these are the, when you have a causal theory, you can then simulate and learn faster than the pace of time. Because it's not interesting to learn at the pace of real time, then we can only achieve what humans can today. What are the applications for uh, individuals outside of a retail context, outside of an institutional context? For the impact on people, you mean? Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, I think, first of all, it makes, you know, if anybody who apply, like in every business can use AI, there's lots of quantitative decision making. So computers are not good at making decision A when there's no data or it's highly ambiguous. So a computer can beat AlphaGo at chess and you'd say, oh my God, an AlphaGo guy's got a genius of, you know, it must have an IQ of 150, but it can't, a computer can't beat people at crossword puzzles, right? So you'd think, well, crossword puzzles, you don't have to be smart to play crossword puzzles, but that's but an ambiguous thinking, right? Jeopardy, though, that was an interesting. Yeah, but that was a cheat if you read the, the real stuff behind it, they, they put a phony delay on the button because it could, it could answer every question first because it's a machine. It could respond. As soon as this voice stopped, it would hit the button. Right. So they said, let's put a fake point one, one second delay, you know, which is the time it takes your, neuron, your nerve pathway to fire from your finger to your brain. And uh, so it was like an unfair advantage on its no, cheating. No, that's, but it's the, the interesting part with, with Jeopardy is that the, like is the the word puzzle that side of yeah. the game is that it is it has more nuance to it. In but, terms of, but if you looked at every question that the other it was guys, always faster, yeah, it's always faster, and it's not really AI. It was just doing statistics. It just had access to the entire world database, yeah. and it was just doing a bunch of real time matching. So the human brain is the equivalent to twenty watts, a twenty watt light bulb. Uh, Watson had a hundred million watts. So you have a nuclear power plant powering a computer and comparing that to a twenty watt light bulb. It's not even a fair contest. And can computers do things better than people? Yeah, since the day they were invented. Hidden yeah. Figures, the movie, right? It was a bunch right, of women yeah. in a room. They, call, it was, they were called computers, and now they call the computer a computer, probably because the job was called a computer. Right. And so the day they were invented, they did things better than people. It's been a gradual increase, not a step function. Right? And, and then accounting departments used to have women and men with adding machines, right? right. That's all accounting software made that go away. Nobody cried about any of those events. Right. But now that we're touching middle management that makes decisions, oh my God, the world is coming to an end, right? Because it can make decisions, you know, that, that's the fear that middle managers are fighting back to say, you know, 45% of jobs will be affected and all this, this BS. But, uh, but I, think, I think the computer scientists have it wrong. Until you come up with a causal theory, like what we've done in retail, it's AI, it's not going to work. And there's been papers written about analytics failing to fulfill the promise because you can't do predictive analytics and change business. Um, can I ask a question? Yeah. yeah. Gary, uh, how long have you worked with Walmart? For five years. So why isn't every other retailer based on the Walmart stories? Change management, the, the human beings who make, even at Walmart, they, they terminated us in December because uh, the merchants didn't want to use it. And then the flyer, after having nine quarters of average basket size growth, the flyer took a shit on January 1st and it's been going down since they turned us off. Now they want us back. So right, but, but the, the change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, but, look, but look at that, though. It's the merchandising group that actually, at the end of the day, just gets taken right out. 
Yeah, but but we, we won't fire them. They'll just change the nature of their job. Like, they should centralize yeah, sure. promotional decision-making and let them negotiate with vendors. I don't know if strawberries are, va are available in Venezuela this week or not, but the human being does, so the machine does is not omniscient. So there's still a lot of room for people to make decisions, but let the, let the computer do this. And the, the merchants have a conflict of interest with the company. They're not acting in the best interest of the company. So, right. so my other question was, um, I've just been reading this in sort of various places about the concern of building, writing bias into AI, um, so our, our natural human biases. So if I have a bias in my memory that says, I must always be the funniest guy in the room, that somehow helps, sometimes helps me, sometimes gets in my way, how do we prevent, or can we, or what are they? There's no bias, zero. It's purely based on the data and the simulation theory. We don't like code. There's no codified, there's no deterministic rules. There's just random random pattern finding. That so it's no, there's no judgments involved zero. in AI. There's, yeah, but there's got to be a bias in terms, because you're saying that... There's it's a, based on how the theory but works. But there's a bias towards the information that's coming in, right? So if you don't have the full scope of the information, then there's like, no, we have like an availability bias within our own... We have the simulation system. of the... We can simulate the world. We've created like the laws of physics, the laws of retail, that we can simulate what's going to happen. So the bias is in the theory of retail, but what's our theory of retail? That some products, when you buy them, like ground beef, people will buy other products with ground beef because you don't eat raw ground beef. If you're making pasta, you buy uh, pasta, tomato sauce, bread, Parmesan cheese. If you're making hamburgers, you buy buns and condiments. And if you're, if you're uh, making a Mexican dinner, you're buying salsa and taco shells and ground beef, right? Ground beef has thousands of use cases, appeals to all ethnicities, and everyone who buys ground beef, every single one of them, almost, well, not everyone, but 95% of them buy something else. Whereas you promote water, you don't need to buy anything else with water. The use case for water is buy the water. And retailers put water on the front page. Total lost cause. Has zero impact. All you're doing is giving away money. Diapers, pet food, there's a million products like that. And so that's one part of the theory. Other part of the theory is if you promote Pepsi, Coke sales go down. So retailers go, wow, we promoted Coke this week. It's, you know, sold 100% more than last week. It was 100% ROI, yeah. But all you did was move people from Pepsi, Pepsi to Coke. The net effect was nothing. And then you look at forward buying. When you promote toilet paper, people buy a five-week supply. So all you did was stole money from the future. So you, you got to net out all those effects. Then you got to measure price elasticity, promotional elasticity, seasonality, uh, weather, you know, all of these effects. So that's the theory. It's all the okay. common sense things that you think matter. We've assembled it into a set of mathematical equations that measures all of those things and looks at all the data at once, which human beings can't do. And so we're biased by the theory, but the theory is all the things that you would think matter, and they matter. Right? I'm, I'm, my background is physics, so I'm going to take a physics approach to this and identify all the things that matter, and, and it works. It works, you know. Uh, Walmart merchants, or every one of my clients, they're merchants. They're, we analyze their decisions compared to top-line sales. There's a zero correlation coefficient between what they decide and what the sales are. So basically, they're random decision makers. Ours is like 0.7 between the products we recommend. And, and we can explain the variance in sales is 0.7 correlated to our, the quality of our decision making. We rank every decision. So we tell the client, you can, if you don't want to pick the best one, at least you have a ranking. You can say number two is better than four. So, so why, would you, why would you need merchandisers anymore in this world? 
Well, you need, because uh, in some cases there's no data. It's a brand new product. I've okay. never done this before. Right. Okay. Uh, or um, all of a sudden, the last minute, the price of potatoes went from a buck ninety nine to two ninety nine, and they have to say, "Okay, what are we doing instead of potatoes?" Okay, we got to pick something else. What, what about you know, example, like say, for whatever reason, you know, they find out that say a certain type of fish is more intelligent than people think it is and they don't want to eat it anymore. Or, you know, some some product like Pepsi has a stupid ad and all of a sudden it, it you know... Well, we learn. That they learn continually from, uh, so from experiments. Can it react quickly to say, like changes in, say, on social media where, you know, public opinion is widely flipped against a product and they think it's unethical and they don't want to buy it anymore. That, that your program could recognize that quickly. And it does, change. but I mean, 80, we're not, you know, we're not... It's not omniscient. The goal is if you, you know, eighty percent of what you buy is like not in, you know, not is not influenced by things like that, right? Okay. So even if there's one or two influences. No, I know this is a small, but I'm saying is that where you think the place for merchandisers might be is in those? those yeah, I mean they can, Yeah, I mean they 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 make the things that the computer doesn't have access to, right? Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, no, just uh, again, we're going to lose half the people in the next few minutes. So, uh, uh, unfortunately. You know, the, the, the problem with all of this is that it tends to be more, as much a taste as it is of anything. This is always about the beginning of relationships, dialogues. One of the things I'm going to do, we're going to continue to motor away and perfect all the, the sort of the process document stuff. <laughs> next <laughs> week. Next week. Yeah, yeah. Next Once week. Once it's done exams. Yeah. Uh, after exams. Um, again, with, uh, with thanks. Um, thanks very much. For, for being being the, the the first doing this, um, uh, I, I think again you can see why a much much longer broader discussion. With regard to Lex, the one things I want to say is um, uh, you are being videotaped sometime in the next day or two by the videographer. That does not seem likely, but sure. Okay, but the, so I've been trying to get a hold of you by email. Maybe it's the wrong email, but he sent you emails. I've sent you emails um, about uh, being videotaped for the fundraising video. Okay, anyway, offline. Yeah, yeah, I mean, guess you're being done today, or you've been done today? Yeah, I've been done. I finished this morning. Okay, um, so there's a fundraising uh, a video being put together for a crowdfunding program that's going to start. Um, I think I'm firming it up. We're going to go for a hundred grand. Uh, to give us runway to raise a million to raise and what, twenty-five what time times. Well, hundred grand until we raise hundred grand. Oh, that you have to set a time limit. No, not anymore. No. Oh, okay. um, but but to your point, let's call it two months. I mean, you know, that's yeah. Um, so you're going to be hit for that. And the one thing I, I want to remind everybody, I, I have recruited. Now, granted, I've put you know a lot of effort into it. But I've recruited about 130 people into Lex, uh, most of whom I didn't know. Um, uh, there's a woman in Boulder, Colorado, who's enrolled 10 people. Uh, Bob Mitchell in Calgary is enrolled now about 40. Um, it's not hard to get people to join Lex. It's free. You send them to a website. You say, apply now if you think they should be members. So I'm going to be pushing hard from now on all the time, everywhere. If you really think this is important, and it's an opportunity we're inviting to people, a la Jesse, um, it's an opportunity we're extending to people. And we need them because they have more intersectionalities. 
And so we need as many as we can get. And Stephen is working on launching the Global Circle for Education with David Price OBE and, uh, and uh, the Wealth Making and Distribution Global Circle. We're getting off the ground with John uh, Magar as the host. And that thought leader is Chris Katarna, so a very well-known, internationally known, best-selling author. All of this is about building membership. So you know 25 people, you know 25 people, everybody here knows 25 people. Let's get them in here. You say in here. This one's filled up, though, No, right? into Lex. Well, then, okay. and, then we, and then we start the process of, and in fact, it's now happening in Calgary. There's so many people that have been recruited in Calgary for the sustainability GC. It's really fertile to go back to them. In fact, we can even do targeting before very long using even really simple tools to say in Foothills or whatever the, the town, the region is, there's already 40 of you, so we can get local circles going there. Who wants to, to, be, uh, to get a local circle going? So um, the logic is working of recruiting. Uh, Kigali, we now have a, a Kofi's going crazy recruiting people in Kigali. So, you know, it, it, but, we, but we need that. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Everybody okay with yeah. this? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Good stuff. We done? We didn't no. do our factoids? You, you didn't? Oh, factoids, yeah, damn it. See, we're going to do the factoids. <laughs> That's why I came. That's the only reason I came. Did you ever learn all about it? Fun factoid, if you have retail, if you have commercial properties,